Hello, and welcome to Hanks for the Memories. You've got a friend in us. This is episode 15, Punchline, from 1988. I'm Mike Manzi. And I'm Joey Lewandowski, and with us today is one of the two co-hosts of the Wistful Thinking podcast, right here on the Cage Club Podcast Network. It is Jordan Paul and clark Hello, Jordan. Hi. Thank you for joining us. I don't remember if it was on air or off air, but last time you were on, we were talking about how you would only sign up for like one or two episodes, and we're like, we need to get you on more. And so Punchline, no one had signed up for, and we're like, you can do it. It's coming up soon. You'll, you'll join us. And sorry for making you watch like a depressing sort of self-destructive movie. <laughs> I've watched so many worse movies for podcasts. You've made me watch way worse. Before. True. Nothing is Season of the Witch, so. <laughs> oh, boy. Damon. This was fine. I sort of want to take a back seat in this episode because I kind of hate this movie and I can't really <laughs> articulate exactly why. So I want to hear you both talk about it. I think I might have an insight into that, Joey, knowing your love of stand-up comedy and the, and the type of stand-up you like. Well, that's part of it, for sure. I mean, there's several reasons I can say why I really didn't like this movie. I think the big one, and this is something I was messaging with Jordan before when I was when we were trying to figure out if she was going to be able to join us tonight, was this is a movie that we're watching for Tom Hanks, but this is very clearly not a Tom Hanks movie. This is a Sally Field movie. But everything that was written about it, like I read a bunch of reviews before we recorded, and everybody frames it like it's a Tom Hanks movie. It's not. I know, I was kind of shocked. Like, I had I had seen parts of this, and I'll get into that, because I think in previous episodes I mentioned I might have thought I saw the end of this movie. I actually saw the middle and thought it was the end. <laughs> but for, not nah, say for God, Sally Field was in it, but I didn't realize she was, like, the lead here. Like, for sure I thought it was a Hanks thing. And, it, and it's kind of split, but I like it more as a Sally Field movie. Jordan, I want to hear, before we talk about our favorite moments, our least favorite moments, and we can go into that, I want to hear you talk about, especially since, you know, you and Kara talk a lot on Wistful Thinking, and also when you both join us on these shows, about how you don't want to watch more movies that are written about men that are starring men. I mean, this is a 30-year-old movie, this is sort of a different story, but the Sally Field character is a very interesting character in that I think she's both well-written and also terribly written. Agree. Agree. <laughs> And I want to get your I want to get your take on what you think about not the performance as much as just the character and what she has to work with. So I think this is the shit version of Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, basically, because like I agree with what you just said that like there are some times where they do a really good job, and then there are some times where she's just like totally flat and boring, and they don't bother to develop her character at all. I don't think they do a terrible job. Like I think. For a long time at the beginning of this movie, I was like, okay, but why is she doing any of that? Like, they just don't bother to give you any character development for a long time about her. Like, we know that she's fighting with her husband about doing stand-up. We know that she's doing stand-up and that she's pretty new at it. But we don't know almost anything else about her for a very long time. And the things that we see her doing really only reflect those two things. Like, there's no depth there. And then somewhere, like, in the middle of the movie, she, like, kind of vaguely starts to explain why she likes to do comedy. Which I think is enough, because it's kind of an insane thing to do. And most people who do it, I think, just feel, like, kind of called to it, and they just do it. But, yeah... And I think they try pretty hard to, they try medium hard to look at some of the complexities of a woman who was a housewife and a mother who is trying to not only not be only that anymore, but to do something that's really non-traditional that her family was not expecting her to do. Like there are parts where they do an okay job at that and then parts where it's just like kind of shitty. And like I have a lot of questions about her husband that don't really get answered like, he's also, like, really kind of two-dimensional, where, like, all of a sudden he just does this, like, turnaround of, like, he hates what she's doing, and then all of a sudden he's totally 100% on board with it. I think that's a problem that a lot of the characters and a lot of the development in this movie sort of goes through. It's like, there's no change, there's no change, there's no change, people are stuck in their ways, and then instantly it's like, oh, I see what you're coming from now. Like, Hanks is so against her, and then he's like, oh, wait, you're funny, and then he's in love with her. Or she isn't into comedy, or she, like, doesn't think she has, she has no confidence, and all of a sudden she has all the confidence. And for a two-hour movie, which is a solid two-hour movie, there's not a lot of slow uptick in growth or change. It's, no. like, big changes. And I think that's another reason, you know, 
Mike, I don't know if it was you who described it as this or just sort of the way the people describe this movie in general, but it's like, oh, the movie where Tom Hanks does stand-up. Like, I didn't know anything, that, even though Sally Field was in this movie. And I think because we're watching this for Tom Hanks, I sort of focus on him. But like what I was saying before, it's very clearly a Sally Field movie. I don't know that he grows. I think she grows. But I don't know if it's, like, actual growth. And I also don't know where... Like, the movie kind of has an ambiguous end where she's probably still going to do comedy, um, where she's, you know, working out bits with John Goodman as they walk away from the club. And as she storms out, she has her moment of, like, Tom Hanks deserves this, he deserves the win, I'm going to leave. She has, like, her shot at the... Oh, I don't think that's why she did it. Why do you think she did it? I mean, I know that's what she says. So I guess the question is, like, this movie makes it feel like the only thing that mattered to her was having her husband say it's okay. Oh, the note. (laughs) I think that was part of it for her, is that she wanted to have both things. Like, over the course of the movie, I think you really see... I mean, they do a bad job at this. But I think we're supposed to see that she really does value her role as a wife and a mother. And she doesn't want comedy to... She wants the two things to be able to exist together. She doesn't really want one to overshadow the other. So to me, that's why she walks away is she's like, well, I got good at this thing and I'm going to keep coming to this comedy club. I'm going to keep performing and getting better at this. But she's like, I'm not going to go on TV and like blow up my whole family's life because she was just trying to find a balance between the two, I think. And she has time, I think, right? Like she's... She says that. Yeah. She's not done. It's just not right now. I mean, this movie is tough like (laughs) it is kind of a drag just like emotionally like i really don't like the tom hanks character like he's a problem he's awful he's a terrible person has mental problems that need (laughs) to be addressed immediately before he interacts with any other human beings ever again and i feel like the movie wants us to know about his problems but really him and sally field we don't get enough time with their personal lives, with the, with her family life, and then, like, you know, Hanks with his doctor bullshit, with his dad that shows up at the club, which is what I thought was the final scene of the movie when I originally saw it, when he, like, bombs and has, like, a meltdown on stage. Turns out there's half a movie left. But, like, I just was... I was wanting more of one or the other. I was like, there's just... I, I know why they're they're showing us both but i feel like like tom hanks should have just been like a person like taylor negron in, in the club and like helping her but not like so central to her fucking journey and like i almost wanted sally field to be on her own more or you know see her writing her own jokes on her own or with her daughters and i was really expecting them both to bring a lot more of their personal life up on stage with them through their material and i think sally field gets her character is closer but i feel like it was a misstep not to integrate that more into the movie movie into their act and like connect it that way too and I think there's just for me like this disjointedness where we're flipping back and forth between the two people and then like you guys are saying like they end up having like these epiphanies out of nowhere where Tom Hanks like makes a move on her and I totally didn't see that coming and then Sally Field at the end I thought she killed it and I thought Tom Hanks's act was horrible and the whole movie thinks it was amazing. So like, I'm just reading this from uh, a different, <laughs> a different angle than I think I'm supposed to, because like, I'm not finding it like amusing or funny or anything. It's very dramatic and it's kind of, you know, it's more making me sad than anything else than laughing. I just found another problem with it. Listening to you talk. I mean, first of all, I agree with you. Like it's a movie that's over two hours long. And what were we watching if we weren't learning about more about those characters? Like what even happened in this movie? It, it was too long. Yeah, yeah, the just the ins and outs of stand up, but even that isn't really coming through. No, it's like it's like they tried to like focus on those three things and then did a poor job at all of it and like kind of smushed it back together. Listening to you talk made me realize that the only time we see Sally Field writing jokes or like coming up with material is through men. It's like Tom Hanks pushes her to do it and helps her do it and then she's walking away with her husband at the end and he's doing it for her too. It's like she can't do it on her own. Yeah and she's buying jokes in the opening scene from some shady guy at a diner or something. And like it starts off like a noir. It's like what is this? Like a rendezvous? And it's like how much for the jokes? She's buying Polish husband jokes. Boy maybe that's why I hated this movie just because they're making fun of my heritage. (laughs) That's it? That's not it. (laughs) So not the big problem, because there are lots of big problems, I think, with this movie, but a big problem with this movie is that in 30 years, stand-up comedy has come a very far away, and nearly every joke in this movie now is hacky as shit. (laughs) Like, it is 
awful across <laughs> the board. It is. It it is super duper schlocky. Like at this point, it is. It's only like I didn't laugh once at any. Maybe Sally Fields Adam and Eve stuff. That was funny. Yeah, like that was okay. But like that just sort of felt like to me like oh like you know ladies got to talk about their man in the in the bedroom or whatever. Just like ugh. like it just feels like the whole shtick. You know what I mean? Like I just didn't give the actual jokes the benefit of the doubt there because it felt just so corny and so like of course that's what a woman in 1988 is supposed to talk about you know like oh like let's men are like this and women are like this and it was also i said i read a couple of reviews and a lot of the reviews you know made their own commentary on stand-up comedy and stand-up comedians and things are just like so wildly different now like we nerds spend all of our time listening to comedians talk on podcasts and so like i think the way that we view that career the way we view the people who do that career is so 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 different now that it's just I mean you can just see the evolution for how it's grown and how we perceive the type of person who does it's just so it seems so like single-minded the way even the people reviewing the movie were viewing stand-up comedy it feels like the super duper safe version for people who've like never heard of stand-up almost to me right it's like hey have you never heard of George Carlin in your life or like have you never heard of Rodney Dangerfield joke like you might think this is what comedy's really like it seems like this was like a time where stand-up comedy or stand-up comedians were like get you know on like a different trajectory than they had ever been on before like where they were becoming like superstars and you know getting sitcoms and getting movies and so it seems like this is like a little bit a commentary on that and that's also like the lens through which the you know critics were viewing it at the time were looking at it through. So I think that's like an interesting context to think about also. I mean, you have to keep in mind the final showcase at the end of this is for, quote, auditions for network TV. Like they can't even have something like they can't even make up like a fake show. Oh, I thought they said Carson. Now, Jordan, I want to get specifically from you first. What is your favorite part of this movie? This is a movie that you love and you sort of don't love in equal measures or a little bit of both. If you had to pick a favorite moment, what, what's your favorite part of Punchline? My favorite part, I think, is probably the scene where Sally Field is really late. She told her husband she would make dinner. Yes. And instead she goes to a comedy show with Tom Hanks. And so she has to like super duper rush. Like she has like 10 minutes before he gets home. So she like runs in the house with all this takeout and it's like really fast paced and the kids are getting ready. And I love how the kids behave in this scene too. They're like totally on her side, like trying to help her out. She's like throwing bread and she's like nonstop for a few minutes, like really chaotic. And she gets all the shit together, uh, like right before he walks in the door. That was my favorite moment too. That was the one part of this movie that like I genuinely enjoyed. The whole movie should have been like that. Yeah. Or, like, I also, I didn't love the opening, but if the whole movie was, you know, Mike mentioned it before, like, the noir style, like, you think it's a drug deal, but she's buying jokes. <laughs> like, if it was weird like that, like, Mike, that reminds me a little bit, sort of, of, like, Johnny Dangerously, which we did for Cinemakers. Like, if it was, like, weird kind of takes or situations on things we've seen before, I might not like it, but it would be something worth watching, I think. As it is now, it's this weird middle ground where it's like, Ugh. But yeah, Jordan, I totally agree. That was my favorite moment, too, because that was, like, the one thing about this movie that I genuinely really enjoyed. It was great scene and candace cameron was in it who was dj on full house wait was it really yeah that's the older daughter is candace cameron oh i didn't even pay attention i was just you know i was paying attention i was not mentally checked out of this movie but i was like not noticing like little details like that so maybe i will watch that scene again tell me if this sounds true is like this was kind of a time before like dramedies were really good okay so it's like nobody knew what to Like, this would be a great dramedy now, but it's like nobody knew what to do with this because it was kind of funny and kind of not funny. I feel like, what what year did Parenthood come out? Jordan, were you on our episode of Keanu Club for Parenthood? I think you were. I was on Parenthood, yeah. Because that's around this era, and that's like a, you know, I think a much better example of a dramedy, probably, right? Yeah. Mike, what about you? What was your favorite moment? Was it that scene or is there something else about this movie that you enjoyed? Well, so it's sort of an extension of that scene and it's when they're all sitting around eating dinner with the men from the church and the little girl says that she thinks that she has a more appropriate adult joke that she thinks her mom can use. That she learned, I guess, from the set of Deadwood, I would imagine. (laughs) And I can't recall exactly what she said, but she was like... The joke is... go, Go ahead and say it. What did one cocksucker say to the other? And then everybody just spits out their food. (laughs) That's my moment. Definitely for sure. That was hilarious. Yeah. 
like that sort of feels not fish out of water but fish out of water like a literal fish in the teapot boiling on the stove there's cleverness in those scenes that there was you know i was reading like jordan i don't know if you read the roger ebert review uh, but when we're talking in the opening about like reading reviews and about like people's reactions to this like he said that the biggest problem that this movie had was that it makes the fatal mistake this is a quote makes the fatal mistake of taking stand-up seriously and if you're going to do that you better have good material and i feel like they spent so much time trying to write jokes that don't hold up 30 years later which very few i think very little comedy holds up 30 years later so i'm not specifically targeting this movie but i feel like this kind of scene holds up like it's this weird you know filled with excitement and energy and sort of a joy and i feel like more of this would have gone miles yeah that's what i was talking about earlier where i was like we need more home life and we need to choose a character to focus on entirely and if we did that we'd have her going food shopping you know when you know she's been at comedy store doing stuff oh no i gotta go get the groceries oh no i gotta pick up the kids like oh no like like you know like mingling the responsibilities of the housewife which is where men thought they should be back then with what she really wants to do with her passion like make her own living be her own person and do comedy and stuff and to juggle that when she should have help doing that would probably you know definitely help flesh out this character we would have gotten more hilarious scenes too now, Jordan, on the other side of the coin, in a movie filled with things that we're not crazy about, that we talked a lot about already, is there a particular moment or a particular scene? What's your least favorite part of Punchline? Okay, I hate the scene where, like, so they kiss one time, and then they meet, I was yelling when they kissed. I was like, no, don't, like, why is this, ha- like, wh- like, why, why did that happen? That's not my least favorite part, though, but just why. And so then, like, the day after or a couple days after or something, they like meet up and Tom Hanks has like decided that he's like in love with her and he wants to run away with her. And marry her. And marry her, yeah. And then he does that whole thing where she's like, no. First of all, her reaction to what he's doing is not nearly strong enough, especially as a woman who we are meant to believe is like, she's a mother, she's a caretaker. Not to like put that all on this character, but like that is how we see her in this movie, right? And he's a young guy, you know? How much older do you think she is him like 20 years well the thing to keep in mind is that in six years from now she's gonna play his mother in forrest gump so she's that much older than him oh boy oh my goodness <laughs> i didn't even think of that oh come on okay so that actually like goes to what i'm about to say like even more than like yes she could be his mother and in that moment I wanted her to behave in that way. I wanted her to be like, oh, honey, you need help. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. because he is clearly having a mental breakdown. He is not okay. He's talking about killing himself. He's running in the street in front of cars. I Like, one of two things. I want her to stand up and walk away from that and be like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, you cannot put this on me. I am not here to save you. Or I wanted her to, like, you know, be kind of motherly and be like, oh, my gosh, you need help can I help you? You know, but like instead it's, they try to turn it into this like romantic reject. Like it's just all wrong for this. It could have been so much more interesting and so much better in multiple ways. This was the one wrong way to do this. I once again have the same least favorite moment as you. That was my least favorite moment. What I do want to call attention to, and that has nothing to do with this movie, and I don't remember all the details of this movie, but three or four years ago, Sally Field was the star of a movie called Hello, My Name is Doris. Did either of you see that? No. No. It is incredible. Um, I saw it once in theaters. I haven't seen it since, but she is this older woman because, you know, came out in 2015, so she's probably, what, 65 or 70 or something? I don't know. I don't know how old Sally Field is. It still looks great, but she works at this office that I think it's a bunch of millennials and people, and, like, it's Max Greenfield from New Girl, and she kind of has, like, a... From what I remember, she, like, kind of has a crush on him or something, like... But it's, again, this sort of older woman, younger guy dynamic, but, like, done well and done sort of in a more modern way, and... I highly recommend that. Like, I was like, what do I know Sally Field from? I was like, oh, right. Like, aside from the Andrew Garfield, Andrew Garfield, right? She was Aunt May in those movies. Yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, Steel Magnolias, for some reason, one of the movies I saw a lot as a young kid. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I saw this movie, you know, I've never seen Steel Magnolias. Maybe I should fix that. I don't know. It also feels like maybe not my cuppa. But um, (laughs) Hello, My Name is Doris is great. So if you want to see her shine, like, I think she's really good in this movie, especially given how little she has to do or has, Mm -hmm. has to work with. Definitely. But Hello, My Name is Doris is, from what I remember, a delight. She was also the mom on Mrs. Doubtfire. That's the other thing that, like, we grew up watching her in. Joey, if you're still in Julia Lai Roberts. Julia Roberts. Julia yeah. Roberts, sorry. If you're still doing that, you, you should get to Steel Magnolia. Sally Field plays her mom in that movie. 
So maybe, maybe. <laughs> I feel it's like, it's an I, ensemble I, of like women that like uh, the, there's a lot of people in that movie that are it's just the Dolly Parton's in there, the Daryl Hannah's in there. It's great. I kind of picked and chose ones that I thought I would really like, and so far two for two. Mystic Pizza, great. Pretty Woman, problematic, but she is amazing in it. Um, so two for two so far in July. Uh, Roberts, Mike, what about you? What was your least favorite part of? punchline so i don't want to go on record and say that you know god forbid hanks was my least favorite part of a tom hanks movie but his character kind of was like i i think that moment you guys are mentioning like is you know the epitome of what's like really wrong with this guy and you know he he's like a full-on stalker like he's stalking that agent like once he feels like he's of value to sally field he's stalking her i think there's like an oedipus thing going on with him too because his dad and brother show up at that show but we never hear anything about his mom and i just really wish you know i've been saying all night that they tr- they just picked one of these people and focused on them entirely and fleshed them out because there's enough of the hanks character like i thought the opening scene with him being late for his exam and then you think oh he doesn't know shit he's a liar he's a cheater but he actually does know all about the digestive system except for the poop shoot <laughs> he couldn't remember the one rectum. he couldn't remember was rectum <laughs> I know, of all things like the funniest body part so yeah I, i'm gonna go we should go three for three tonight with the same uh worst moment okay but i will say that his physicality in that scene is really incredible and the only reason this movie remains watchable is like imagine somebody less good playing that character well so here's the next question i'm going to ask you jordan you know we do this every time if tom cruise was cast in this (laughs) role what would it be like i'm gonna say i think he would have been great in this. I also think he would have been would have been very clear that he's unlikable. Like I feel like Tom Hanks still has that likability factor. You're like, oh, I, I think I'm supposed to root for this guy. Like I think Cruz, I mean, Cruz played a lot of roles that you you root for him in. But I feel like if he was here, it would have been like, oh no, this guy has issues. Like this guy is deranged. <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna burn a house down. Exactly. But I also can't really imagine him doing stand up. I think I can't. Mm, I think a Magnolia. Right? Like him in that movie where he's like on stage doing it. It's kind of like an act. It's not jokes, but, you know, he's like captivating the audience and like selling his shit and stuff. So. This is a very different kind of charisma. But I mean, Jordan, do you think, without knowing that this movie existed, could you have seen Tom Hanks doing stand-up? Mm, no, I mean, he's funny. He's funny and he has like the physicality for it because of the way he exists you know Mm. it's a little strange they didn't go with someone who was a stand-up like i kept thinking the whole movie if this was michael keaton it would probably work a lot better just by virtue of the fact that he used to do stand-up and he's a terrific actor and he was sort of on a roll around this time as well or like jim carrey yeah oh that's a good call Yeah. So Jordan, if you don't think Tom Cruise would work in this lead role, is there another part in this movie you think he would be good in? He might be good as one of the like side comics. Like he would just have a shtick. Because, you know, there were some people on that stage not doing just like straight stand-up comedy. Yeah, there was a guy dressed as a nun. Yeah. Oh my God. He got in the showcase instead of the old man. That must have been like his real bit though in real life, don't you think? I meant to Google it. So I think from what I was reading on the trivia that they 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 went around, they talent scouted a bunch of different people and they brought them all in. So a lot of these people are real stand-ups that I guess were probably doing their act. Like it was sort of a showcase for them. One of the Waynes brothers is in there, right? Isn't yeah. it, uh, Damon? Yep. And then Taylor, we mentioned Taylor Negron earlier. That's all I recognized. I don't have all the specifics because frankly, I just don't, care enough to but there were a lot of production issues with making this movie and like directors were dropping out and they couldn't find an actor and they wanted to make like a small budget thing and then when sally field signed on like the budget basically doubled so that they could pay her and they could make it like a bigger thing sort of a more of a vehicle for her she sort of signed on as a silent producer but it feels like there were just so many kind of issues and delays and problems behind the scenes and it just kind of feels like that on screen right and it feels like trapped in this no man's land where it's kind of like a showcase for people but also it's this weird in-between movie that isn't like this is not you know if you ask people to name 20 tom hanks movies this is not in the 20 right like this is a movie that i'd never heard of until we started this project another one of the many um that i had never heard of until we started this project it also seems like it took them like a solid like eight to ten years to make this after it was originally written and i'm sure they rewrote the script a bunch of times but even so it's like Maybe it's a movie that would have made more sense if it was made in 1980 instead. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, just like talking about how, like, I'm not sure how I'm supposed to feel at times during Hank's 
final set. Like the crowd's loving it, but I feel like he's we're supposed to think he's bombing because they're playing weird like carnival music under it. Was it was uncomfortable for the first like 5 minutes. I thought he was going to cry again. And it was bad for he was he's using like gay slurs at people and stuff, right? Like at the judges. He's like calling out the judges. It was very awkward and then he somehow bounces back by just shouting the word debutante over and over. I'm like I don't know how I'm supposed to feel here. Is he bombing? Is it like, what is going on? So yeah, problems behind the scenes definitely make sense. I got the feeling that that scene was like, because Sally Field had clearly like a great set. And now he was like, you know, they kind of block past each other. And he's like, just watch me beat you, you know, in like a fun, friendly way. But I got the feeling that what he was doing was supposed to be like different and like controversial and like he was supposed to be pushing boundaries doing what he was doing anti-comedy so that he could be better than her and like stand out in some way rather than just starting with his regular set but like it didn't it didn't work the way they did it I didn't think about this because, again, sort of wasn't critically thinking about this movie, but I also think that maybe in that moment, and this is giving him a lot of, giving the character a lot of the benefit of the doubt, that he saw in her that she deserved it, right? And he knew that he could, in theory, beat her, but wanted to sort of tank his set and, like, going after the judges meant to, like, rile them up and sort of take himself out of the competition. Oh, that's interesting. I I had the feeling that he was definitely worried that he was going to lose, that she, that you know, the student became the master at that point. He's watching her set and going, oh, shit, maybe I shouldn't have helped her so much. She's better than me. But now that you're saying he's coming out sort of being like, here's the cutting edge. Here's what the future of comedy is going to be. He's actually kind of right about that. Went on a long streak of like, you know, insult comedy and stuff like that in the 90s. Roasts became big again and all that kind of thing. And I understand it's not flying when this movie's made and he kind of reverts back to like the same old thing but I'm questioning it even more now because like what motivated him to do any of that I'm not sure and I think that's the big thing we just don't know why a lot of the characters in this movie do what they do right like it's just they do things they grow and they change but we don't see the cause for that we don't know why they're doing the things they're doing and the funniest thing is that it's in like a two-hour movie there's like plenty of time they just waste it I have two questions. One, why did they bother giving Sally Field a third child? Oh, because she somebody has to be at the movies, Jordan, of course. <laughs> she had a third child that they were always just like, where is she? I don't know. Was she ever in the movie at all? Well, that's so weird, too, because she's like, oh, she went to a movie. She'll be home at midnight, this and that. And then the, the kid shows up and she doesn't look like she's more than 13 years old or something <laughs> like that. I'm like, she's not home till midnight? Like, if my brother's daughter came home at midnight like she wouldn't be allowed out for the rest of the year and my other question is what was wrong with their water like they seemed to like they weren't short on money or were they i don't it was why but why did it work in the bathroom but not in the kitchen and i don't know why john goodman thought it was her responsibility to fix it if we're gonna go by the mores of the time right like he's the guy who should be on his knees fixing the sink and stuff and getting the water running again not complaining you know, to his wife or something. But Now, Jordan, if you, uh, again, this is maybe not an actual prize, but if you want to walk on roll, I, before we get there, Mike, did you say, do you think Tom Cruise could be the lead here or no? I kind of am with you. Like, I think he would work and I think it would play. We would know not to be on his side earlier. And like, it, I knew I didn't like Hanks, but I feel like the movie really wanted us to, to stick with him and I just wasn't having it. So I would, I think I'd know better, you know, if they're not going to reveal more about their character, Tom Cruise would bring more just by virtue of what he's done to his roles in his drama yeah. and stuff that I would sort of just put that on him already if there wasn't enough to to grab at this character I'd be like I've seen Tom I've seen Tom Cruise like really go nuts I've seen him be really uh threatening like all this kind of stuff like I there would be moments like when Sally Fields rejects him that would feel more dangerous and stuff I think it would it would work so now the question I was going to ask Jordan, I don't know if I really want to play this game because I don't know if any of us really <laughs> want to be in this movie. And I feel like the easy choice is to be either a comedian or in the club or working in the club or attending it or something. Like, I feel like there's not a lot of scenes where, like, there's other people around, right? Like, it's just kind of... Yeah, just a hospital scene, No, it's too, just, right? like, on the street, yeah, and in the hospital. So now, Jordan, I know that you need to get going. And before you go, and Mike and I can do the awards after you leave, and we will make sure to give this movie as many bad awards as you want it to have. Okay. But are there any other thoughts about Punchline, anything that we didn't say at the top of the show that you want to make sure that you, you that the, the world knows what you think about this uh, this stand-up comedy movie from the 80s. I spent a lot of time in the last day um, Googling to try to find that coat that Sally Field wears for the whole movie. <laughs> Can't find it. Not possible. You know, there's obviously IMDb and then there's the 
Internet Movie Car Database, which we use on Too Fast, Too Forever a lot. There's a wardrobe database. Is there? From what I can tell, because I've used it to look up Gina Linetti's clothes a lot. <laughs> It's, um, I think it's maybe only for TV and, like, current TV. Oh, that's a bummer. But, yeah, if, like, an episode is on, you can go on it, like, pretty much right after, and they'll just tell you where to buy or who made the wardrobe. Well, I guess that makes sense from a marketing perspective, right? Like, they're like, oh, did you love what Gina's wearing? It's not like that, though. Like, it's it seems, like, way more low-key and on the down low than that. It's, like, it really seems like it's just, like, a person who somehow does this. Because it's not well, it's not, like, well-made, It's not well-made. Well, that feels like a market inefficiency. Maybe. Yeah. We used to do that on the talk show that I worked on. We would, like, put up every day what the host was wearing and where you could buy it. There is, oh, this reminded me, there's a really weird thing that, like, at the end of every episode of Playing Games, which is a uh, a game spinoff of Never Not Funny, just audio only, because Never Not Funny has video, but this is audio only. There's a plug at the end that says, Mr. Pardo's wardrobe was provided. I'm like, who gives a shit about the wardrobe? It's audio. <laughs> like, why is that? Like, is that a, like a, it sounds like a real sponsor, and it's the same sponsor every week. Like, I don't know. I don't understand that. Like, I don't, what? Nothing to do with Punchline, but I just need to get that out of my brain. I don't know what's happening. Well, I just love that there's still these devotees online, like even if it's just one or two people watching a show, uh, that they want to have like a site where it's like, here's all the music from Legion this week, or like, here's all the wardrobe from that show. Or, oh, you know, well, or, like, first of all, there's there it's absolutely necessary that there's a website that has all the music from Legion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so just before before you go, Jordan, I want to say that both Tom Hanks and Sally Field did a lot of stand-up comedy to prepare for this. Tom Hanks wrote a five-minute set, apparently went to perform it the first time, wound up getting off stage like just under two minutes, just flop sweat, did not have a theme, could not get up there, just was... They had to do it like a bunch to make sure that they got to a point where they were comfortable on set. But apparently Chris Rock shared a set, a young Chris Rock shared a set with Tom Hanks and said, and I don't know if this is real or not, Chris Rock said that, the, that Tom Hanks was the funniest stand-up he'd ever seen, which I can't imagine that was true. But Sally Field shared a set with a uh, young up-and-coming Adam Sandler, and he said that her routine was the funniest he'd ever seen, which I also don't believe that's true. <laughs> like, I don't know what is happening on IMDb, but this one trivia fact <laughs> is making me doubt all of it. Um, well, I feel like she was way more natural than he was, to be honest, like, but I know she wasn't supposed to be as a character, but when she's doing that last set, like, it feels spontaneous. Like, I'm into it. Whereas oh, Hanks always, to me, is feeling like he's forcing his sets. Yeah, no, I, I think he's playing, like, a character, right? Like, she's playing herself, and he's playing this, like, even, you know, he is mentally unwell off stage, but even on stage, he's playing this, like, you know, amped up persona. So I can sort of see that, right? So. But that's also makes sense in the movie like that's on purpose yeah right i think so well jordan thank you so much for joining us um we're gonna let you go get some uh, some beauty rest before another big day of work tomorrow mm-hmm. but let's take a quick break mike and bring back ourselves and ourselves alone to do awards and a show end wrap-up but jordan thank you for joining us thanks for having me have fun with the awards yay and we will do lots of bad awards for them for this movie because who boy it deserves it great Welcome back to the show. Can't believe we have not talked about it yet. This is a movie in which he says, why is six afraid of seven? Because seven, eight, nine, not only is that meant to be funny, but Sally Field's character does not understand, does not know the joke. Was that a new joke in 1988? I can't imagine it was. I love the idea that she's like, wants to be a stand-up comedian, but she's never heard comedy before in her life, apparently. Like, all the jokes she buys at the beginning of the movie, the audience is yelling out the punchline and everything, and she's like, oh, you heard that one, huh? And it's like, yeah, lady. It's like one of the first jokes ever written. Yeah. And my Polish husband gave me something long and hard. Yeah, your last name. Oh, okay. Did they mention Carson by name or no? I I, I swear they did, but... Well, the old guy was talking about how he was going to go on Ed Sullivan, who was bigger than Carson ever was, but I don't know. I didn't get a sense of what that was actually in reference to. If it was, maybe it was for the showcase. I don't know. But on the billboard outside, it says auditions for network TV. And I was like, oh boy. This movie actually gave me a lot of vibes of nothing in common. I was saying before that I watched Mystic Pizza and Pretty Woman. I know Pretty Woman's 90s, but like, you know, sometimes you watch a movie from this era and you're like, oh, like the 80s were great, right? Like it's just like the movies look different. They feel different. They act different. Like people, you know, speak differently it's shot differently like it's just a different 
sometimes better, sometimes worse, but like it's you could just be like, it's the 80s, right? And then there's times where it's like, oh boy, the 80s. And that's like this, that's nothing in common. It's like these like really overly serious, sort of like the melodramatic, we're just like, I don't know why this is happening. Yeah, it seems like the worst thing you could do is make a, a serious movie about stand-up comedy, because like I mentioned earlier, our favorite scene seemed to be the madcap one when Sally Fields yeah. getting dinner. And there should be funny scenes aside from just the jokes and the stand-up and stuff because quite frankly like that's not so great in the first place was tom hanks's dad was tom hanks's dad in the audience at one point was that set up proper did i miss something or does that was that just wild well i totally missed something i'll tell you the first time i saw this movie i th- i thought i was coming in at the end and the guy runs up to hanks and is like hey the uh there's some pretty important people here they ask for you by name la 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 he's like i think they're i think okay, they're the okay, studio that. yeah yeah so hanks thinks it's the studio and he sees them and we don't know exactly who they are i mean i put it together this time quite quickly okay. but but yeah. they don't say because he just goes up there and he looks angry and he like blubbers on stage and then he just like talks shit and I felt like that was more like I just watching now I was saying I don't remember if it was on mic or not but I was saying with Jordan that I've been watching a lot of stand up lately I've been catching up on a lot of stand up and I've seen some really good stuff lately and from a couple years ago Neil Brennan who co-creator co-wrote Chappelle show with Dave Chappelle um, he put out a special a couple years ago called Three Mics so Three Mics there's literally three microphones on stage there's one that's like normal stand up there's one that's just one liners like basically Twitter jokes and then there's one where it's like emotional like stuff that isn't like he says in a funny way but it's about like how he's dealing with depression and about you know stuff about not being loved by his father and like i felt like the hanks thing in here him sort of railing against his father in a way sort of being like vague and then sort of specifically and then his dad leaves like i felt like that was the best like that i thought you know in terms of what holds up i felt like that was the best he was on stage i mean obviously the crowd was not into it i think the movie's supposed to be like okay like look at this nut job you know what i mean it's the biggest bomb in the world right but that was like the most honest he was being and i kind of wish like i feel like if this was made today that would have been like the thing that like like it would have been like it went viral the next day you know like this guy like bears his soul on stage you know like when tig announced that she had breast cancer or that she had you know like the the most horrific month of all time where like her mom died and she had c diff and she got cancer and like she just like the series of like the shit events and she went on stage and they recorded it and she did the the special live and it was just this like really powerful thing that like suddenly everyone was like holy shit like did you hear this and i feel like that's the kind of set that would have had not necessarily take level whatever but it would have been like oh this guy like really was working on his demons but then instead he just goes back to like being a manic asshole on stage that needs help off stage that's what's the craziest thing is like he doesn't learn from opening up like that on stage that like you've tapped into the future here like this is the real shit that people aren't ready for that you should this should have you know he should have molded that into his final act or something for for television you know talked all about hey you know like i can't stand the sight of blood but guess what like my dad made me shoot like deer right in the face point blank like all this stuff but at this time you know maybe he's worked through it more with sally field and and he's come to like some kind of peace with it where he can start joking about it now and he can turn it on turn it around and make it his new set or something like that and it's just another one of those times where the movie's like look like these characters have depth but we're really not going to explore it we're going to give you one scene with hanks where he bombs on stage and a scene with sally field trying to make dinner for her husband a few other things that I want to make sure we call attention to. What you know, you're saying that about how he bombs on stage. When he doesn't bomb on stage early in the movie, he is doing the most horrific, offensive Asian accents, oh, yeah. and the crowd is loving it. And I was like, oh boy, that that's not good. He's also killing when they do a stand-up show at a hospital. I'm like, what is this? Well, I thought about that, and I was like, you know, stand-ups. It's got that's got to be a hard living if that's all you want to do and all day long, you know. I and I hear just about comics who are like, hey, can I just get like 15 minutes? Like I or like, oh, it's so great that I'm doing a show here and then I'm going across town and I'm doing a show there. Yeah, and yep, yep. So like, it's just working it and working it and working it and and that I think like he should, you know get out of the clubs more and do you know he should be like one of those comics that are hired for like events and things more often and stuff because he feels better when he's out of the club and like in the real world that scene actually was was working more for me than any of his other stand-up scenes 
you know, I want to say the least believable moment I think I have in this entire movie is at the very end when they are doing the showcase and Tom Hanks goes off stage and the MC or the host or whatever goes up there or the club owner. I don't know who this guy, I think he might, feels like he's a club owner, but also the host. I don't know. Yeah. But he goes up there and he's like, you know, you've been a great audience. We're going to go tabulate the votes. We'll be back in a minute. In the meantime, free drink for everybody in the house. And I was like, what? The whole point, to a certain extent, or maybe to certain clubs, of having a comedy club is to bring people in for a two-item minimum. The fact that this club would give out hundreds, if not thousands of dollars in free alcohol just because they've been a great audience. Like, they're not, this is not a show where they're, like, making, like, I don't think, like, Johnny Carson is, like, paying them to, like, host this event. What is happening? Yeah, and the audience doesn't get the vote either, so why you trying to influence them you should just be you know sweetening up the judges somehow like bringing you know that would have been a funny thing if like between sets you saw the owner go up to the judges and be like you want some chicken wings you need a beer like anything i can get you guys but again it's just sort of an underserved underdeveloped character i don't know my final thought on why i don't like this movie is because we just did big and big was so good and it's the best tom hanks movie so far and then we are so close to movies that i know that i'm looking forward to and here we are crash landing hard into the comedy club in punchline like it's just it's crazy it's it's part of this weird early cycle like when we hit the money pit we're like all right like the money pit's good sweet we've got some momentum and then it's like two or three movies there's like nothing in common after that and then something bad again after that and like big all right sweet like we're we're on the roll again and now it's like shit punchline so here's what we got so i haven't seen a lot of these movies but i know some so next episode the burbs great that was i think maybe our most requested episode to be on by our friends who want to be on the show that's up next then turner and hooch which i don't know if it's going to be good, but I think it's going to be fun. I've never seen it. Don't want to know about it. Just sort of, you know, I, I know that that's going to, it's, it's Hanks and a dog as buddy cops. Like, that seems simple enough as a premise to be great. Then Joe vs. the Volcano, incredible. Then Bonfire of the Vanities, I don't know what it is. Then Radio Flyer, I don't know what it is. Yeah, I, okay. I've heard of that movie. I didn't know he was in it. Is that Cuba Gooding Jr.? No, I thought it, isn't it Little Kids? Isn't like Gillen, I thought Gyllenhaal was in that as like a little boy. So Radio little Flyer boy. is, oh, it's the Wagon Maker. Radio Flyer movie. Yeah, two little boys and. Elijah Wood. Oh, Elijah Wood, okay. Lorraine Bracco, oh, from The Sopranos. Ooh, freaking Lorraine Bracco over here. I don't know how big of a part he has, because on Wiki, the first five or six names, he's not in them, so I don't what know. What if he plays older, grown-up Elijah Wood, and the whole movie's like in a framing device where he's telling a story about his youth as a kid? That'd be okay. And then after that, we have A League of Their Own, which we just talked about in The Contenders a couple months ago, and then that kicks off the run. Sleepless in Seattle. Philadelphia, Forrest Gump, Apollo 13, Toy Story, That Thing You Do, Saving Private Ryan, You've Got Me. Like, we're so close. There's a couple question marks between here and there. But I think, I think, again, I don't want to say that we're out of the woods because we might not be, but we're closer than we've ever been to not having to deal with this nonsense anymore before we get to the run of movies that, not all movies that I love, not all movies that I've seen, but sort of the reason why people love Tom Hanks and why we're doing the show. Yeah, absolutely. All right, very big question. I think the answer is no, because I think his character needs a lot of help. Does he do anything in this movie that sets him on the path to becoming America's dad? I'm going to say not this time. I would agree with that. It's just, he needs help. Yeah, he tried to break up a marriage. Like, what's that about? Don't know. Do not know. Okay, so Mike, let us now nominate this for the Woodies, the Tom Hanks Award Worst Film Punchline. Yeah. I think so. Because you know why? Because, like, it's a depressing movie about comedy, and I want to laugh when I'm watching a movie about... Even when I watch the movie Lenny, right? Uh, Dustin Hoffman as Lenny Bruce, directed by Bob Fosse. Fucking amazing movie. Go watch that movie. It's about a man self-destructing, but it's amazing. I mean, it's based on a real guy, uh, and, like, you know, a lot of footage of that guy and a lot of his you know audio recordings existed and stuff but that is I think maybe they were trying to capture something about Lenny Bruce in the Tom Hanks character and it's just like you gotta go full Bruce or go home so I would say go check out uh, that movie Lenny Okay. Uh, speaking of Lenny, speaking of Legion before Lenny, also speaking of Memento, Lenny <laughs> um, question for you one or both, at least one for sure. Worst role, most wasted performance. What do you think? Oh boy, um, this is one of his worst roles. Okay. What about per- wasted performance? I feel like it kind of is both. Like I feel like it's bad, and also it's extra bad 
in a way because it could have been good. Yeah, like that's the thing is like I couldn't say that this movie doesn't have stuff to work with. Like there's things that are actually like I think a lot of the Sally Field stuff is working and there's ways to fix a lot of the Hank stuff and everything. So in that regard, I think, yeah, I, I think they might go hand in hand this time. And and I still can't stop thinking about Michael Keaton in this in this role. Like <laughs> Best ensemble, no. Best fight, no. Best dance scene. His singing in the rain thing. <laughs> I kind of want to forget all about that, but I guess, you know, I'll say singing in the rain in this. I mean, just because there is a, a dance number, we don't have to recognize it. I do want to say, in terms of the best ensemble, we skipped by that quickly. Like, I feel like, you know, a couple years ago when, uh, like, there's been stand-up comedy movies that are good. Like, they're, that show what I feel like are the, like, you know, The Big Sick, for instance, when Kumail wants to move, like, and he's got his buddies at, like, you know, Bo Burnham's in the club or whatever. Like, it feels like that feels real. Like, it feels like they're characters. They feel like they belong in the world. I feel like this could have been, if they had, maybe it's just the, the, the hackiness of the 80s comedy that doesn't hold up, but if they had fleshed out the characters more, if the jokes had been funnier, this could have been a movie where it has like eight or ten people that we know a little bit more and would have loved but instead no i would have loved if they fleshed out like taylor negron's character or damon wayne's character and stuff like i i got excited when i saw him in the movie and i was like good he's gonna be around like he'll be tom hanks's hangout buddy or something but like no he comes back at the end to be in the in the thing in the, in the showcase and that's it so i agree if it was you know maybe that's the other thing like if they had equal focus on like four or five people instead of just this deep of like 10 or 12 yeah exactly yeah yep best outfit wardrobe no best death no best line is there a line in here that you want to nominate i don't think so but i think the end of the episode is going to get the poop shoot line or something i can't think of anything stupider to put at the end of the episode Another thing, you know, I don't want to nominate this, but I think maybe the funniest thing he says is when they're talking about Manson is funny, Berkowitz is not. When they're on the train to go to that club, right? And they're talking, like, he's just grilling her. He's like, you know, who's with the kids right now? She's like, oh, Charlie Manson. But, like, the way she says it, it's like, oh, you know, the, the boy next door, Charlie, you know, Charlie Manson. And that's funny. And then, you know, she's like, Davy Berkowitz and doesn't work or whatever. But then on stage, you know, Hanks is sort of, heckling her from the crowd but not really he's like guiding her toward a bit and he says who's watching your kids and she says oh charles manson and the crowd erupts like that's not a joke like that's not (laughs) like what was funny before is that she's like oh you know the boy down the street charlie manson like that's funny just saying oh charles manson's watching my kids is like is that okay (laughs) it's like it's like mike who's watching your kids oh donald trump why what that's not what like i understand like why he would be a bad babysitter but why is that there's no context for that. Yeah, I'd have to say I'd have to say little Donnie Trump from around the yeah. block or something like that. You know, he's got a big he's got a big future ahead of him. You know what I mean? Like just like there's got to right. be build up there. Yeah, like there's yeah. no reason. Like I understand that David Berkowitz is maybe not necessarily as known of a name, but there's no reason why the crowd should erupt at Charles Manson and not at David Berkowitz, other than what Jordan was saying before. Men are able to write her jokes and she's not able to. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Well, is it funny if uh, she goes and I get my furniture from Eddie Gein down the street? Is that too far? (laughs) Because Eddie Gein used to like make furniture out of people. I I think Berkowitz is funny. Like that's, yeah, she should not be listening to Hanks as much in this movie. She should just, because she is on a roll and that is funny. And she could have listed like, you know, the other day my daughter was playing with her friend Liz Borden or something like that and kept that rolling and rolling. I don't know, man. I just don't know. Best freak out. I kind of. Oh man, his meltdown. The debutante thing? No, uh, no, not the debut. Because the debutante thing, he's like, he's winning. I think when his his dad's in the audience and he's just like. Oh well, okay. I mean, it's a kind of a breakdown, and because he does start yelling at him and stuff, and it gets pretty intense. So I'll say stand-up about his dad in Punchline. That's fine. Best soundtrack, theme, no. Best or worst love story. I'm going to say worst love story here because it's it's he wants it to be and it's not. And he's like forcing it. He just can't drop it. It's like, bro, I mean, you know, there's plenty of fish in the sea, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Most badass role, no. And then best non-Hanks actor, male or female. It would have been so easy for Sally Field to be nominated here, and I just feel like she's given, like, she's great at what, like, we've been saying all episode long, she's great at what she has to work with, but that is, it's not much at all. Yeah, yeah, I actually think she's having a bit of a hard time being bad. Her character's not supposed to be good on stage and stuff, but I just feel like Sally Field 
is so natural like she's having trouble being a bad actor at you know what i'm trying to say like she's trying to be portrayed as like bad at being a stand-up comedian and i feel like it's difficult for her to portray herself as being bad at anything in this movie <laughs> like and so that by the time she's really good at the end i'm like yeah she's good like that's her thing but i don't know it's having a tough time with that you know how I knew this was going to be a rough movie? Because I went, on, I went on Letterboxd, and our friend Austin Wolf Southern, who has been on, I think he was on our Mazes and Monsters episode. He's in the Every Cage movie club, so. He is. Uh, his favorite, I'm looking at his Letterboxd right now, his favorite movie from last year was Between Worlds, which is, Amazing. that is a choice. But, you know, given that he's a stand-up, given that I think he loves old movies, I think he loves Tom Hanks, not old movies, but like, you know, movies from the 80s, I think he loves Tom Hanks. Given that, again, not, not, throwing shade here but like it feels like his ratings sometimes often start at four stars the fact that he only gave this three stars this feels like it should be right up his alley i was like oh like that's that's a that's a bad sign like that's not that's not a good sign like not that three stars is bad but considering what this movie could have or should have been to him specifically i was like yo yeah it feels like it missed a certain threshold there where like if it was more stars then it would have been funny bad but it just kind of is a meh like what is this kind of a mess yep 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 um, any other thoughts about Punchline, Mike, before we uh, close up shop on this episode of Hanks of the Memories? Just that this is a sick joke, this movie. And no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I'm ready to go. Let's let's get to this next episode, man. The Burbs is the best. Cool. Well, for all things Hanks of the Memories, you can go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash cageclub, or at cageclubpod on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, hanks at cageclub.me. Check out our Patreon page and our threadless shop at cageclub.me. Fridays are for fun. So here's some exciting news, Mike, uh, that I think you might have you might have seen or you might have gotten wind of, or I'm not sure. But obviously, Fridays are for fun. We alternate this show with the Tom Cruise podcast, Cruise Club. So every other Friday, you and I alternate these. We've got every Friday, we've got Brian Rodriguez's High School Slumber Party. You're on that a lot lately. You might, there's there's rumblings that you could become an unofficial or an official. You're, I think you're already an unofficial co-host. You might become an official co-host. We'll see how that goes, but that's in there. But also, Fridays are getting a little bit more fun because HTML, Husbands Talking More or Less, has shifted, and now their show now comes out on Tuesdays, but their bonus episodes come out on Fridays. So they have a very aggressive schedule for the rest of the year that they share with me that they're already deviating from a little bit because of their busy lives. But I think most Fridays now, there's going to be a podcast episode about a Marvel movie or, you know, on the, on the episode that is coming out uh, as we're recording this tomorrow, as you're listening to this a week ago, their second part of their Avengers thing, they mentioned that they're going to cover Star Wars soon, so later this year, in theory. Yeah, gear up for that, ri- uh, what is it, the uh, Rise of Skywalker, right? Is that mm-hmm. it? Okay. I think so. I'm not sure, to be honest. <laughs> I don't know either, because I know, like, I was talking to somebody, I think I was talking to Joe too, maybe, or something, but I was just like, I don't need to watch trailers, I don't need to, like, I know I'm going to see a Star Wars movie, like, you can just, like, you don't need to market to me, like, I know that you need to market to, like, the general public, but, like, yeah, I'm going to go, like, what, like, of course I'm going to go, like, I don't need to know what it's called, I don't need to know who's in it, I'm going to see it, but they're going to cover, you know, they're covering right now, they're finishing up Marvel, the MCU, they're going to do Star Wars later, they got some stuff, exciting stuff in between, but Fridays are for fun, so we got the Tom Tom Club, High School Slumber Party, and also often html so lots of podcasts on friday go to cageclub.me poke around 25 shows three or four shows depending on how you consider it every friday here on the network very fun very cool things to do fun things for fun people check it out cageclub.me i'm joey lewandowski and i'm mike manzi and we'll see you next time next week for cruise club with the firm and in two weeks for the burbs right here on hanks for the memories Poop shoot.